Now, let's talk about a rocket, my friends. I mean, a rocket engine Oldsmobile. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon. Everybody has a car story. Coming up, an IndyCar driver gets the pole position at the Rose Parade. Is that right? He gets the pole position at the Rose... Well, we'll explain it to you. But first, yeah, commercial music we played for the Oldsmobile. Sounds like he came right out of the Music Man. That's new, and that's news. Good news. In addition to the rocket, there's the beauty of the line. It's the line with the linear look. The linear look? The linear look. The singer, just FYI, was Bill Hayes. Out of Days of Our Lives fame, the other singer, Florence Henderson. That's right, Mrs. Brady herself, pre-Mr. Brady. <laughs> We travel the world to talk with men and women who are passionate car guys. Well, since you're listening to the podcast talking about cars, I'm going to go out on a limb, take a wild guess, and say you are a car guy or a car gal. And if that's true, you know my guest, Barry McGuire, who turned McGuire's car care products into a household name and developed the TV show Car Crazy, which airs on Velocity TV. Check your local listings for times to air. All right, Barry, so did your interest in cars start, what, with Matchbox cars when you were young? Well, there were no matchbox cars <laughs> for me. I don't have that story because they were not in existence yet. <laughs> there was no Mattel. <laughs> okay, so uh, my cars were made out of rubber, you know, until they just disintegrated on me because I used them so much. But they were flexible rubber. Uh, most of them were. But no, for me, you know, I grew up um, in Southern California, and the car hobby was birthed. Right while I was growing up, I was in the right place in the world. If you want to be a car guy, it's hard not to be one in Southern California. So I was born in, I, I, you know, I was born in 1942. Well, the car hobby since he started, you know, right at the end of World War II. So um, by the time I'm five, six years old, cars are starting to happen around me. By the time I'm a teenager, it's full bloom. There's car shows all over. And so uh, I, I grew up with it. I literally grew up. With the car hobby. The car hobby has happened in its entirety in my lifetime. Do you remember a specific car or just some moment when it just finally hit you? Wow, look at that. Well, I think um, the, 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 the wow car for me was as, you know, as an older, as a teenager. I was 13 years old. And um, the change from the 1954 Chevy to the 1955 Chevy, it changed the world. It, it, it literally changed the world. I mean, you look at those two cars side by side. I, I don't know any two, any one car changed so drastically in one year. And, of course, we were reading uh, all the stuff, all the preliminary stuff, so you couldn't wait until you got to see this car. And back in the day, the cars all came out in September. September was introduction time for all the new cars. And the car dealers would put uh, paper over the windows so you could not see in. And you would try and try to peek through and find a little crack. And, and you could get just a glimpse of a piece of the car, you know. And there there were no spy photos back in those days. I mean, now you see the cars. I mean, you, you they're pretty old hat by the time they come out. You've seen them so much. Not exactly, but, you know, in comparison. Sure. But I was on Washington Street in Pasadena, California. I can take you to the actual spot where I was. I saw my first... 55 Chevy, and it was the cream and uh, kind of orange-red uh -huh. combination. You can probably picture it right. com coming down the road. And I was with two of my buddies, and we both just stopped. There it is! There it is! There it is! Oh, my God, look at that! Oh, is that cool, you know? And, and uh, with the V on the front of her V8 engine and all, it just, it just yeah, I think probably a, a, a moment for me was, was that. So I was 13 years old. 
Well, you look at GM, too, because the GMs, I mean, you think of what the 54 Pontiac looked like compared to the 55 and, and Buick and, and Oldsmobile, too. Across the, across the board, you had that. But for me, as a Chevy guy, you know, I grew up a Chevy guy. I know I have more Fords than Chevys now. <laughs> I got all kinds of cars. But uh, somehow I still had that knee jerk back to being a Chevy. So that 55 Chevy was pretty important to me. Did your family have Chevys when you grew up? Uh, we had all kinds of cars, you know. Um, uh, a little bit of everything, not necessarily just Chevys. Had some Chevys. My mom had a a 1951 Chevy, uh, yellow Chevy convertible with a black top. Not a, not a notable car. I was down in the Philippines shooting car crazy. Had a had a really fabulous car show. Fabulous. I mean, just like I was in Southern California. And I walked around the corner, and there was a 19 a mint 1951 Chevy convertible black top. And I walked to it, and I just stopped. And um, I don't, I just lost some time there, you know. And the guy said, oh, you want to shoot this car? And I looked up and with tears in my eyes. And he, he said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I, I was... It's, it's like, like running movie. into your the it's, past. It's like a movie where you see it where the person, they're, they're running all the film in their mind. I'm exactly. back with my mom and riding in that car and everything. You often hear people, they love this car because that was the car that it was their parents' car. So I mean, they have these different reasons why they love this special car, you know. And so that's not a notable car. But I would like to have that car only because I have so many memories of it. But I've never seen another one like it. <laughs> well, uh, that's one of the questions I always ask on this show is, is one of them being, uh, assuming money was no object, is there any car out there you would love to have? And would that be it for you? Oh, well, if I could have any car... And, of course, you know, I'm at the point where I can, I have more resources now, but I just use them differently, so I don't <laughs> indulge myself. I've got cars, but uh, I don't know, the AC Cobra. Oh, wow, okay. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's a guy's car, right? Yeah. Every time I, I just melt. I mean, even the invitation ones melt me, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, you know, and Carol Shelby was my dear friend. Uh, and you've driven in them, I assume. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and uh, it's just, that's that kind of does it for me. I don't think I'll ever have one, but um, I have friends that have one. You know, it's like a, better better than having a boat is having a friend that has a boat. Kind of thing. Oh no, no, there's nothing better than actually owning an AC Cobra. I think yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> there is a difference between owning one and driving one. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's a pretty amazing car. So um, yeah, I guess that if I was going to have a dream uh, collector car, even for me, it would, that's probably the car that it would be. Let me head back. What was the car you drove in high school? Because I have a kind of a rule personally that everybody when they have classic cars you almost want the car you had maybe a better version of it but the car you had in high school what was yours i, I drive the car that i now that i had in high school my first car is a 57 chevy hardtop black of course all my cars are black and i hot rodded it and had it dumped in front and and uh uh the hearse shifter had just come out i was one of the first to get the hearse shifter so i mean you know, back in the day, most of our listeners wouldn't even know. That. Back in the day, you had three in the tree, as we call it, and you had to stop. You had to. You, it, there was no synchromous. You couldn't put it in first gear unless you actually stopped the car. So the Hurst shifter, where you could actually downshift to first, was that was mind-boggling. You know, so uh, I had that and and uh, had a great time with it. And so my, you know, I have a lot of cars. I mean, a few cars, uh, but my car. I mean, I love driving all the cars I have. 
But you still have it. But when I get in my 57 Chevy, I'm 16 years old all over again. I am. I mean, I, I don't have to think about it. Isn't that so true? And, and, you know, I don't care how cold it is. The windows go down. They're hand-rolled windows. And I still <laughs> yeah. do it. Even on the, Well, of course, cold in California is a little yes. different. But, you know, for a cold day in California, I don't care how cold. And I don't drive it in the rain, so that's not an issue. Right. I get it. I mean, if I'm driving my car, I'm reaching around and rolling down all four of my windows. And, right. and uh, I'm driving on the same streets I drove it when I was 16 years old. Wow. So, I mean, everything's the same. It's the same interior it's not, it's not, I mean, there's some beautiful interiors on, on 57s, but I wanted the same, the black and silver interior that came with that car. That was my interior. Uh, my guys uh, that I work with say I can't dump it. I have to keep it level because it's not cool to have it dumped anywhere you low. I cut the coils in the front of my car to lower the front end of the car. Of That's course. what you did back in that day. Yeah, exactly. You know? Of course. <laughs> not, not a, it wasn't great for suspension, but you look cool, according to our view of it then. So now uh, you wouldn't even notice it, but I, I had the car tweaked just enough so there's just a slight tinge of dump on the front end right. of the car. Because every time I drove for years, and it just always bothered me. I walked up and it just didn't seem right. And so just the slight word. No, it doesn't bother anybody else. For me, I can walk up and say, yeah, that's my car. So, so guys are telling you now it's not cool to dump the front or raise the rear? Yeah, well, it's not. You know, it would, And, you know, I come just past time when it was you slammed it in the back. You lowered the car. Right was to lower the back end so you drug your rear end around that was i mean when i came then it was drag the or push the push the lower right. front end down right. or hop it up bring it up the you know bring the hijackers so, in the back so the police had a uh, a rake they called it the rake and it was a a, a piece of metal a, a u-shaped metal but a long rectangular piece with uh-huh. short legs on it and they would come up to us as teenage girls. You know, I couldn't ever do anything wrong without being caught. I mean, the moment I did something, it's like they're standing there waiting for you to do something wrong. As a the engine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they'd come up and they put this rake into your car and boom, <laughs> and then you got a ticket. Oh, <laughs> and wow. so we got a few of those. Wow. <laughs> what is in your garage right now? Well, I really stay away. I avoid that question like the plague for this reason. Um, with our TV show and with our products, um, I don't want to be seen as one of those guys. You know, if I'm identified as a certain type of car, right. uh, then they say, well, you're not really one of us. But uh, right now, I can go to anything from Volkswagen shows or Ferrari shows or whatever, and nobody sees me as a cat out of water or just trying to emulate what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of that story is that after 18 years of doing car-crazy television all over the world, my taste, my love for cars has grown immensely. I still have certain cars in my garage. I can't have one of everything, but I got a few. Uh, and I drive my cars. I love my cars. Uh, I like old cars. <laughs> but um, uh, it's funny. I can be interviewing somebody that has a gosh-awful-looking car, a car that I have no respect for at all. But by the time I finish interviewing them, the car's not ugly anymore. The car's gotten rather attractive. You know, it's like, Okay, I, now I see it. I had, a, I had one guy, they were in an underground garage in France, in Paris. And he had, um, oh my God, this is a pea green Kaiser. Henry Kaiser made in Haifa, Italy. A Haifa, Israel, okay? And he he took, walked me a long ways in this ground. He went down another level. He wanted to show me his baby. Uh-huh. And he went up, and I, I, I had to keep from laughing, you know? And so and he starts telling me about it. So I've got him on camera, we're talking, the cameras are rolling, and he's talking. He finally gets down on his knees in the front of the car, and he says, look at her. She's the Mona Lisa. And he was dead serious. He had a tear in his eye, oh you know? God. Well, all of a sudden, that car wasn't ugly to me anymore, you know? It's like, 
uh, we were at a Healy uh, conference and joined all the Healy's. I like Healy's. I haven't been big on Bug Eye Sprites. I always thought they're kind of silly looking cars. Well, then I'm talking to all these Bug Eye Sprites and how they handle. And then I got to drive one, hand around. By the time I got through, I thought, I'd like to buy one of these. <laughs> these, are, these are a really cool car. Yeah. So my, my taste for love of cars has gone uh, real wide. I love lowriders. Lowriders, I think, are the most patient car guys in the world because they're not flipping their cars. Right. Their, their cars are members of their family, and they right. love other cars. I love that. And so um, that, that works out cool. So I've gotten to where I have a, a my, my love for cars has grown very widely, and um, there's very few cars that I don't really enjoy anymore. Wow. <laughs> And isn't it true you go to so many shows and your guests speak like this as well? It's the car story. It really seems to be because everybody's got one. Yeah, well, Car Crazy is not a car show. It's a people show. It was intentionally meant that way. Uh, when we started Car Crazy back, uh, we launched 18 years ago, almost 19 years ago. Uh, the car hobby, it's hard to believe now, but the car hobby at that time was dying. And it had been dying for about 15 years. Car shows were having poor and poor turnouts. Car clubs were ceasing meetings. Uh, and we had meetings for about 15 years. Somebody's got to do something. Somebody, but there's, see, the car, the, the car hobby is amazing because it's, it's the ultimate grassroots phenomenon. It just happens. There's no sanctioning governing body saying we need another Corvette club over here, no, another lowrider club. I mean, we need to get the exotic guys. How do we, there's no advertising. It's just two guys. It happens all over the world. Same way. I have a car. I love my car for 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 some reason. I see somebody else has the same car. We're talking. Hey, let's meet on Friday night. You know, and all of a sudden there's three or four. Hey, let's form a club. Right. Then they find out there's another club over yonder. Why don't we get our clubs together and all bring our cars and have a car show? Mm-hmm. And that's how it happens. But it was not happening as often. It was going down, and we were getting worried because our only audience is car guys. If you're not a car guy, you're not going to wax your car with clear coat finishes. You don't have to. So um, we said, so we, somebody's got to do something, you know. And Leslie Kennedy, who you just met outside, um, head of corporate communications for us at the time, and she came with this idea, Barry, you know everybody. Think of all the people you know after 40 years of me. You know Dan Gurney's and Vic Edelbrock's and Carol Shelby's. They're all your friends. Why don't you just sit with them and we'd have conversation and talk about their passion and get people to understand what it means to be a car guy and how special the car hobby is. They need to come and join us. And so we went to Speed Channel back that that oh, day. Yeah. Roger Warner. Roger will be here in about an hour, and we're going to meet on a new project that he has. And um, they said, we'll try it. We'll do four shows, do four specials. Mm-hmm. And then they came four more one-hour specials. And finally said, if you do half-hour shows, we can run them a lot. So we did half-hour shows. They started running them 25 times a week. They didn't have any content back in those days. It was right. amazing. And then they got bought out by uh, Fox. Fox came to us. He said, okay, the car guys are gone. They won't care about us. They said, well, your show is one of the highest rated shows. We want you on year-round. We thought, well, this is pretty cool year-round. But then I got to I gotta do 52 shows a year. I can't. I got a car wires company got to run. I can't do that. This is doing a car show or a TV show. As you know, is a lot of work. They said, just do 26. And then we'll do a, a week of reruns. And so we did 26 shows for a lot of years. And then about uh, maybe uh, seven, eight years ago, we asked if we could drop down to 13 shows. But 13 shows, it's not like they're cookie cutter where they come in our studio. We're on the road. We, we travel. And a show for us, we have a pre-production day. We have a production day. And then we do B-roll after. It's three days. So that's three days times 13. And then we have our, uh, our editing. Editing's about 120 hours. I do voiceovers. I write a script. 
I do voiceovers so that when I move from point A to point B, you hear my voice. Well, that doesn't happen while I'm on the scene. That's after I get back because I don't know what scene we're going to be using until we edit it. And so you do that 13 times, it's a lot. This has, I guess, been an education for you as well. I mean, it's one thing, you run a great company. The next thing you know, you're, you're a media personality. Well, but it all works. It all, because it's all passion. Our company's full of car guys. We hang out with car guys. So I'm with car guys seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And um, back when I was, uh, back in the mid-60s, uh, we weren't known, a little company doing about $600,000 a year. But I knew car guys uh, wanted their, their cars to look right. So I'd go to get a little 10-foot space. I'd walk around. Each time the car guy brought his car in and put it in the, in the spot, I'd walk over and talk to him and say, great car. And, hey, I got a little product here. I think you might like to, might, what it does to your paint. I'd put a little spot on their paint, and they'd always go, wow, that's amazing. And I'd say, okay, well, I tell you, i just give you the bottle. you just going to give me the bottle? You're not trying to sell me anything? No, I don't want to sell it. I just want you to know about my product. And then uh, they'd, they'd always say yes, of course. Then I had I had Clumbo down before there was a Clumbo. I'd walk away, and then I'd have one more question. I'd say, oh, one more question. Oh, what's that? Well, if you use the product and you like the product, would you mind putting a little sign by your tire saying it's used McGuire's products? Uh-huh. Well, they're obligated at that point, and they sure. all love the product. So by the time the shows would open, every car in the whole show would have a McGuire sign. All I did was buy a little 10-foot space and use my own time. I didn't have any money, but I had time. Yeah. And so now we do that at thousands of car shows around the world. That's, that's our marketing plan. We go, we love on car guys, we help them get their cars looking really great for show. And they're patient about their cars, they get patient about our products because we make their cars look really cool. And, uh, and we have this like 85% brand loyalty. I mean, it's just unbelievable. We have lifetime customers, people that just, they're, they're missionaries for us. They literally be, become advocates. They can't stand to see somebody waxing a cool car with a, with a competitive brand. They'll go, stop, wait a minute. And they'll often go get their bottle of McGuire's and say, you gotta use this, let me show you. You know, that's the growth of the company. Which we're, we're not great advertisers of product. We're great educators, trainers, formulators, obviously. And um, and then our customers really grow our business for us. And you have taken that beyond the U.S. I mean, where everybody, you know, hot rods born here. This is where the culture started. California certainly where the culture started. And as we talked earlier, you were doing shows in New Zealand. You were doing shows in other countries. And I'd imagine the the attitude of the car owners the same. Well, uh, we 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 sponsor into the thousands of car shows here in the United States. At one point, it was nine thousand. I lost track of what it is over the last two or three years. Uh, but easily 3,000 car shows. We're at every weekend. We're at just about every major car show in the world, whether it be Russia, or China, or Finland, or Australia, or Bogota. Uh, we got a big show coming in Bogota. So all my mind's coming up a couple weeks. Uh, all over the world, you have our, what we call our Men in Black, and we do it all the same all over the world. You go out and help the guys, and the car guys are guys and gals. A lot of great car guys are gals. And help them get their cars look like a gem so they can win that trophy. And that's what we do. And we just have fun doing that. I go to car shows one or two every weekend. People say, don't you get tired? I can't even imagine getting this. Is, I just love it. I mean, it's, it's fun. But more important than the cars are the people. And you know that. It is the people. It is their stories. And with Car Crazy, go back to your original question. We just talk to people about their stories. Tell us why you are so car crazy. And we have so many women that watch our show and say, I don't watch anything else. Well, I watch your show because it's not technical. Right. They're not beating up on each other. They're not right. yelling at each other. They're not trying to get this thing. They just talk. They're just nice people. And they have great passion. And I can understand what they're talking about. 
when you you've talked to so many people are there any car stories that kind of stick out you know something you didn't expect something a little funny maybe something unusual that kind of sticks with you after all this time <laughs> how many how many days do you have you know <laughs> so many unique ones one comes to my mind real quick michael uh, uh malcolm prey just passed away uh, he was at the uh, new york uh, world's fair back in um the 30s and he saw a car that just struck him it was just mind-boggling and he walked around that car he walked around that car he walked around that car he was totally taken as just a youngster okay he remembered that in his mind several years later in school they had an art project and they said draw something and he drew a picture of this car which still exists okay it's in his memoirs now he drew a picture of this car. He was in uh, in Connecticut, and uh, he ended up being the quite a, a mogul of car dealerships in Connecticut. And he decided uh, he wanted to find this car, and he found out it was a Delahaye. Okay. So he went to work, and he found this Delahaye, and he bought this Delahaye, and it was in kind of rough shape, and he restored it, fully restored it, and became a award winner. Finally, he takes it to a Delahaye event oh, back over in France. And he has it there. And a gentleman comes up and says, Wow, the World's Fair Delahaye. He says, What are you talking about? He says, That's the World's Fair. That's the Delahaye. It was at the World's Fair in 1937 in New York City. Oh, wow. And they checked the number. It was the very car. The very car he saw as a youngster. He remembered his mind, didn't know what it was. He drew a picture of it, got to be an adult, found out what that was. Wow. Decided to go to buy one, wow. finds one somewhere, buys it, restores it, and finds out it's the very car that he saw when he was a youngster at the World's Fair back in the 1930s sometime in, oh in New York gosh. City. Is that crazy? That is, that is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, and he called it his mistress. So uh, His wife called it his mistress. That's my husband's mistress. You know, this, this yeah, I think all our wives pretty much have to deal with that, I think. <laughs> so, uh, But, yeah, there's just so many stories, and it's just uh, people falling in love and it's, it's, it's just it's just it's amazing it really is amazing last thought is is just how long do you see car crazy going for because i mean you've done it with your it's been a while well it's awkward that you actually asked me that question now because every year at this time we have to decide i'm going to do it for another year and um i have a very busy life this this year every year what here's my life every year i i never give anything up and i add two or three <laughs> events so you and don't I'm, sleep is what you're saying. And I've been doing that all my adult life. Uh-huh. And fortunately, I have a wife. Karen is just, she loves our life. And we go everywhere. And she enjoys it. She's very flexible. But this summer, I live at the beach. The beach is in front of my house. My, I have a boat in front of my house. I have a beach. It's, it's, this is my life. We spent less than three weeks this summer at my house. Oh, wow. Now, we're busy doing things we love. If I didn't love doing it, I wouldn't be doing it at my age. Exactly. But I just love it. You know, I love, we love our life. Everywhere we go, they say, why are you smiling? Are you kidding me? (laughs) The life that we have, God has given us such an incredible life and such great friends. And it is, you know, wherever you go, it's these friendships that we have. The car hobby gives us such, car guys are such great people. We're so wealthy and great friends. And you want to see your friends and be with them and enjoy the whole ambience of the event or Amelia Island or whatever you want to go. Sure. But uh, this year, Karen and I have started talking for the first time and said, you know, 
we can't keep adding. Something has to give. So we're at the point right now of, of um, between now and the end of the year, uh, trying to decide what what or uh, we won't stop doing what we're doing, but there has to be something's got to give. Uh, the biggest single commitment of my life is car crazy television, right? Yeah. It's huge. But I don't want to stop doing it. I love it so much. Dennis Gage, I just talked with him a little while ago on the show, and I, he go, he's been doing his show uh, now 20 years. He calls it the show that won't die. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, everywhere I go, hey, we're car crazy, you know. And um, all, here at Seaman, everybody's coming up. Just, you know, all the wonderful comments. He's like, yeah, 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 I just, it is great. Where are you going next? And we do have all these thoughts of where we can go next or sure. whatever. So I don't know. I guess I leave it with a bit of a question mark at this point. Uh, How young are you? I kind of moved. If you don't mind me asking. From one hour to the next. I was born in 42, so I guess that makes me 73. Um, but I feel like I'm, I'm 25. I've never had more energy. I've never had more fun in my life. Um, God's been really good to me. I've honored, tried, tried to honor God with my life, my entire life. He is my priority more than car wax or cars or car guys. I look at it 50 years from now. My cars or all the stuff, we're not, that doesn't matter. Just do we know Jesus Christ or not? And, and I try to honor him with my life. And so, I, quite frankly, I'm praying about it right now. I say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And, and I, only have, I don't know how much time I have left. I feel like I'm going to live forever, but I might not. <laughs> and I want to make the best use of my time. I'm never going to retire. I have no interest in sitting back. and what, How could retirement be more fun than what I do? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And I have a wife, and I have kids and grandkids, and uh, I thank God every day for my life, for my health, for the opportunity I have to, you know, hopefully make other people better people. That's what my, I think that's our purpose in life, to help other people be better people. Mm-hmm. And I think the car hobby is consistent with that. The car hobby is a righteous hobby. It's righteous people. I mean, car guys are special. They're more generous. They're more caring. They'll go the extra mile. They'll share parts. They'll help you fix stuff. Kids that grow up in the car hobby, they love their parents. They're working on cars with their dad. You know, they have a work ethic. They respect other the other people's work. They have responsibility. All traits are just being lost on a wholesale basis. The car hobby is like a cocoon away from all that. And I feel like when we're when we're doing car crazy, we're representing car wax, of course. But we're also representing a better way of life. I mean... We're, we're growing better people. I'm a better person. I have better friends because I'm a car guy. I know you feel that way. Mm-hmm. I, I say if, if there would be more car guys, there'd be less wars, you know? Uh, we have our, our Muslim partner in here. He's a devout Muslim. And I'm a devout Christian. And we have great fellowship. We hugged yesterday in tears. You know, we love each other so much. Mm-hmm. And it's this common ground that we have. Over, you hugged over. Well, really our values... I think I think Muslims uh, overall are getting a bad rap. Muslims now get shot at this a, a bunch because of, there's a lot of animosity, but I think it's unfair. There's a lot of bad Christians around doing fanatics, doing stupid stuff. Sure. Uh, Muslims, the Muslim, I work with a lot of Muslims. I've been bumping to car guy Muslims, and I think they're very gracious, warm, hospitable people that are are so appalled by what's going on and they don't know what to do about it you know well and talk about cars i mean even in those countries they have people who sock away cars well they, they certainly do you know I, I was at a car show about a year ago and I, I met this he was obviously middle eastern and we walked around we were talking having fun i said so where are you from well he wouldn't tell me where he's from he said i'm from persia you know yeah. that's the you know so that's a safe term you know okay. i said so I, okay you don't want to get beat up so so we were, we were talking, I said, so 
how is it for you? I mean, you must put up with an awful lot of stuff questioning you. And he says, oh, you have no idea what I go through. He's the airports, everything. Everybody looks at me. He's except one of my car shows. <laughs> I said, "Why is oh car shows? I'm free. Uh-huh. We're just all the same." Nobody. I said, "Where's a camera?" That's what I'm saying. It's just like it's, it's like him, man. We're all God's children at the car show. There doesn't matter how much money you have, or what color your skin, or you're a guy or a gal. None of that matters. We're just car guys, and you see the rich guys hanging out with the the not so rich and talking cars and you know you watch Jay Leno and you walk he's the most in, non unnoticeable person and he'll talk to him for 20 minutes if they're a car guy yeah you yeah, know he will. oh absolutely he came up to my, I had been spot a 64 Dodge and he came up to my car Jay Leno came up to my car and just started asking me questions about it it's it's a great hobby it's a righteous hobby and I'm glad I'm privileged I have opportunity to to do our mission from 18 years ago, we said, let's grow the car hobby. Let's people understand how great car guys are, how much fun it is, and come on board. Join us. And, and young people, I tell everybody, every, every one of us have the responsibility to pass the, patient, pass the patient down. you know. And it's not where it should be. It's, I think it's still the biggest threat to the car hobby, but we're doing a whole lot better. We're doing a whole lot better, and I'm really happy about that. Barry McGuire from Car Crazy TV. Up next, Ryan Hunter Ray. He finished 13th at the Long Beach Grand Prix in 2015, won the race twice in 2010 and 2014, and now news that Hunter Ray will be driving the all new Acura NSX in the leadoff spot for the 2016 Rose Parade in Pasadena, where he will be hard pressed to keep the NSX at an average speed of 2.5 miles per hour. <laughs> In our Talking About Cars Classic, I talked with Ryan before the 2015 Toyota Grand Prix race. Back home again in Ryan Hunter Ray won the Indy 500 in 2014. And oddly enough, that win completed a circle of automotive life with his first ever car. It was a <laughs> Camaro Z28. I did not have a mullet. Um, <laughs> and it, it, the pretty cool story about that is it came full circle this year after winning the Indy 500. Uh, it was a, a Z28 was the pace car, and the, and the winner gets the pace car. So it, my number's 28. It kind of has a, a little trend going there. So it, it's a pretty cool story. And the greatest thing about this car is it's a track car. So it's like a, it's basically a track-ready street car. It's fast. I mean, it's um, it's got something like 600 horsepower and, uh, you know, just really stiff ride, big tires on it. It's a, it's a fun car to drive. What year Camaro did you have originally? Uh, 96. What's in your garage right now? Right now, we have uh, Acura MDX. I have kids, um, two kids, and I have a, uh, a GMC Denali uh, Sierra 2500 HD. So a big, big diesel truck. Car that you once had that you wish you had back? You know, none really. I mean, I it, it'd be cool to still have the old Z28 that I had, just because you know it kind of bring, you know, you can look at them all and 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 mess around with them and all that stuff. But I'm happy with the collection we have right now, and um, you know, I, I I think I went out on a limb and spent money on a boat instead of a car recently. Ah, okay. <laughs> that's not too bad. Is there a car that's number one on the Ryan Hunter Ray list of I want that car someday? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'd really like the new Acura NSX. I like, um, and I, I really am a big fan of the uh, Ferrari F12. Why? Why those two cars? The NSX is just—it's cutting edge, and, and 
you know, Honda does such a great job with everything they do, Acura does, and it'd be cool to drive it. It's a pretty sought-after car right now. The F12 is just, uh, it's a front-engine Ferrari that is, that it, I just love the looks of it. It's different. It's not like your typical mid-engine Ferrari, so it's a... Uh, and it's just a, it's got, has a stance about it and a presence that uh, is unmistakable. What's going right for you right now, and, and what do you want to work on? Well, last year we had three wins, and um, we had that's as many as the the team that won the championship. We won the Indy 500, so that was the big one. That was a game changer. That's a life changer for sure. How cool was that? It was it was amazing. It was it was so much more than I ever expected it to be. Uh, obviously, it's been a lifelong, career-long goal to to win it. Growing up as an IndyCar fan, you know, as a kid, but to actually achieve it, it, it just has come with so much more than I ever expected. Uh, this season is completely different, though. We have the new aero kits. The cars look different. They perform different. And we're still sorting out our, our kit, our Honda Aero kit. So it's a work in progress, and I think it'll be pretty track dependent. We were talking about the Long Beach Grand Prix and, and some of the, uh, the celebrities that are doing their thing. Uh, it took you quite a while to hone your skills. Could you imagine having to hone your skills in about just a couple of months and driving a car like this in a, in a track like this? No, especially on a street circuit like this. It's the most unforgiving track you can get. Is it, It's a concrete canyon, and... You know, if you make a mistake by a couple feet, you've uh, you've crunched a lot of body work. So it, it, it'll be tough. I mean, especially with street tires and these cars, a lot of roll in them. It, it's it's a tough bit, but um, it's so cool what uh, Toyota's done with this race and how they put this on and the pro celebrity race. It's a big part of it. I mean, I, I love watching it. It's entertaining. There's a lot of carnage going on, but <laughs> but isn't that part of it though? Come on, anybody yeah. who's watched hockey knows we know why we watch hockey. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's a it's a good show and it, it's great. For Sport. IndyCar driver Ryan Hunter Ray, who's the first IndyCar driver since IndyCar champ Roger Ward back in 1963 to participate in a Rose Parade, and the only one who's going to be behind the wheel. Hey, thanks for joining us on this week's Talking About Cars podcast. Next week, we bring in the new year with car mechanic, body fabricator, and show host Jesse Combs, who gives me the lowdown on her current show, 1001 Car Things to Do Before You Die. Wow. Does she really have a thousand and one things, or does she just have a hundred? Well, we'll find out from her. Hey, email us at talkingaboutcars at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show, as well as follow us at our Talking About Cars pages on Facebook and Instagram, and on Twitter, we are Talk N, the letter N, Talk N About Cars. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars. (laughs) 